This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Spartan 117. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. Anthony and Skyler will take it from here. Master Chief, out. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. My name is Anthony Nicolosi. Oh, my name's Skylar Sokol. That was a nice, like, diminished chord, maybe. I don't know. That was. <laughs> I don't know what interval that was, but it was nice. Oh, yeah. And today we are talking about interactive experiences versus video games. So let me tell you, Skylar. Yes, once again, me. the man himself, Will Waltz, has somehow got his hands in this mess. You know, he's he's responsible for this because. He tweeted at me about a week ago, and he asks, People of the internet, it's time that we come up with another word for video games, games, slash gaming, for interactive experiences that are more like art, slash story, slash interactive therapy, but not really games like a Fall Guys, Rocky League, Halo. You know what I mean? And he tags me and he says, gonna tag you here. He wants to see if we can crack the code, Skylar, on this episode of the podcast. I think we're up for the challenge. And now this is an interesting one, right? Like for, for, I know you've got a little bit of an intro for the, 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 for every, all the listeners. I want to say the kinds of, these kinds of interactive experiences also include things for me, at least personally, um, like, um, augmented with this banger an augmented reality, like starting you know, with museum. the unpopular opinion before the intro. Come <laughs> okay, on, okay, man. fair, fair. All right, All let's right. go into the intro. Right. Let's get our foundation set so Anthony's we can nail this out. Give opinions that I disagree with, so I have to read the intro. I can't disagree with them before yeah, he I read has the to intro. agree with them. As yeah, because I have to read the intro. All right, <laughs> this intro comes from a rare guest on our podcast, but actually one of the very first books Anthony and I both read on game design and games. Yep, which is a theory of fun for game design. By Raph Coster. Very good book. Another one of those strongly recommend books. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great book. And it's written so, like, easy to read. Probably one of the most easy to read books that we've, like, that we recommend. Like, I know we say Book of Lenses is easy to read. This one's, like, I would say even easier. Yeah, it's shorter, too. Yeah. Um, So, he says, um, looking up game in the dictionary isn't that helpful. Once you leave out all the definitions referring to hunting, they wander all over the place. Pastimes or, amu- or pastimes or amusements are lumped in with contests. Interestingly, none of the definitions tend to assume that fun is a requirement. Amusement or entertainment at best is required. Those few academics who have tried to define game has offered up everything from Roger Kalos act or Kelwa activity which is voluntary, uncertain, unproductive, governed by rules, make-believe, to Johan Huizinga's free activity outside ordinary life, to Jesper Jewell's more contemporary take, a game is a rule-based formal system with a variable variable and a quantifiable outcome where different outcomes are assigned different values. The I like that exerts, one, by the way. Wait, wait, wait no. we're not done yet. Yeah, okay. The player exerts effort in order to influence the outcome. The player feels attached to the outcome, and the consequences of the activity are optional and negotiable. Okay. Now, a few other highlights. We've got some game designers' definitions. We've got Chris Crawford, a game designer and theorist, who says, <clears throat> Games are a subset of entertainment limited to conflicts in which players work to foil each other's goals. Sid Meier says that games 
are a series of meaningful choices. Hmm. Um, Ernest Adams and Andrew Rowling's a game designer say one or more casually linked series of challenge in a simulated environment. So a lot of these definitions, right, involve choices and choice. Mm-hmm. That's like a very important aspect here. The last definition we have is Katie Salen and Eric Zimmerman from their book Rules of Play that a game is a system in which players engage in an artificial conflict defined by rules that results in a quantifiable outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, now this this kind of gets crazy already, right? Like I think the most quintessential art game, the game that like inspired uh, I mean the game that was like the first like purest form art game that had essentially nothing to offer but its art is Dear Esther. Dear Esther is the first walking sim. You literally just walk around and experience the dialogue and the narrative. You, there's no other mechanics really. You're just walking. Now, do you have meaningful choices in that game? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Right? So we're already violating like the core of these definitions just from that. But I so, think that, I mean, from my perspective, that's kind of what Will and the conversation here is about, right? Exactly. No, and I agree completely. I think this is only further justifying what Will says, that there is a need to distinguish here because these experiences are not what we would consider games. Right. No, I agree. Um, uh, I, that last definition that you used... Um, I can't remember the name of the two designers. I felt like that was probably the one that I'm working. The artificial conflict one? Artificial conflict. It's a system designed with an artificial conflict, set of rules, you know, boundaries, limitations that you can, you know, and such mechanics that you can leverage to, you know, relieve the conflict, to solve the conflict, whatever. You just engage in an artificial conflict defined by rules that results in a quantifiable outcome. So that one sounds like a game to me. And then when you talk about Dear Esther, that doesn't match that definition, right? Yeah, so... Like that, Dear Esther is more of just a narrative experience that you are interacting with in a more direct way than like a movie. Then you interact with a narrative experience in a movie, right? Like so, that's the that's what distinguishes it from like film media, at least, right? Yeah, and what throws it in the category of games. Now, why the, the interactivity is the thing that differentiates it from a movie. You agree? Right. Yes. The fact that you're walking, that you're hitting, that some action you are taking is influencing something that is occurring in the game, regardless of how meaningless or small that thing is. Yeah. So I I think Dear Esther is a great example. I totally agree with this. I, I think another useful thing will be like, how far does this go? Because the example that Will actually uses in a conversation on Twitter in this thread was he was he, he even thought 12 minutes fall into this. Right. And that's uh, really interesting because that game has a ton of choices that you're making constantly throughout the game. Literally all right. that game is trying to figure out the correct series of choices to solve the artificial conflict that exists in the game. Right. Well, and from Will's perspective, he says... It has game elements in his from his opinion is it has game elements, but it's really it's just interactivity elements in a temporal mystery that the player moves forward from his perspective. And I guess according to our designers we just overviewed, they would consider that a game then. But it seems like Will would like to distinguish even that. Right. Right. Um, so it, from my perspective, twelve minutes falls under as a game. There's puzzle I, elements I in agree. it. Right. Um, I can I think see get more what Will's getting at. I can see where he's getting at, but like Dear Esther's more that is more what I'm thinking of when we're, yeah. we're thinking of these interactive experiences. 
Now, if we meet in the middle, I think we end up around the Stanley Parable, and that's a really interesting one to discuss because the Stanley Parable is literally a game about choices, a game about deciding what you do and having different things happen based on what you do. But generally, all you're doing is walking, and it's just where you walk that changes what happens. But you are making meaningful choices in that game, 100%. So... So is that not a is that this like I don't know I I think that like the interactivity is the thing that makes the Stanley Parable so engaging and without it it would not be the experience that it is so the interactivity being so important makes me feel like I would call it a game but maybe that's just because that definition is so overloaded right but more, I don't know yeah. where we draw the line that's what's really hard like how do we draw the line to be clear the influence your interaction in the game in in the environment in the experience has on the experience itself is what you find interesting of stanley parable meaning like it's not that you said interactivity but it's more of like the consequences of your interactivity that may is interesting to you well i think that's all games i know but like the if the cons if there are consequences to your interactivity that's i think like the differentiator of like is this that does that still that's a thing to consider in classifying is that is if you have cons if your actions have consequences on the experience Mm -hmm. it does that make it a game i i guess you have to define what consequences are right in dear esther technically you walking over the trigger points that cause the dialogue to happen are your act interactivity having consequences right does but it have like, an influence on the experience, like the story goes a different way or anything? It's not that the story goes a different way, but if you don't walk, the story doesn't happen. Isn't that the same with Dear Esther, though? That's what I'm saying. In Dear Esther. I'm talking about Dear Esther now. Oh, okay. And saying that now, I'm, I'm even thinking that it's hard to separate that one because your actions do still have a direct influence on the experience. So that clearly is not a viable definition here, at least wouldn't be for Will, because that includes too much, just saying that our interactivity has direct consequences in the experience. Right. Okay. Well, so then I think what we're coming away with this is that you, the your interact you, being able to the fact that your interaction with the experience may influence the experience somehow is not necessarily kicking it out of this category right Uh, we at least if we're trying to you know uh abide by what will is trying to say and be pure to that i agree i think that that clearly that's not what he what he has in mind and you know since our goal of the podcast is to solve will's Will's tweet (laughs) we gotta do it yeah no we gotta it's true so like in my mind right Maybe there is a distinction between what is interactive and what is a game. And I think that's what Will's trying to say when he talks about 12 minutes, right? That he feels like although 12 minutes is interactive, somehow it's still not a game. So where is that line? Like how can something be interactive but not a game and when does it become a game? One easy argument is just to say like when something is multiplayer, like when you are competing against someone, that is like always a game. And I think that's a pretty that's – a, that's a strong start. Right? Yeah. Like, I think we could possibly agree that competitive game, like, interaction is a game. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but, you know, if we want to get, if we want to have a good definition, something to work on, what are the elements that m- make that true? Is it to right. the, you know, definition of those last designers, it's a system um, with conflict that you have mechanics to engage with in 
engaged right. with the conflict. Yeah. You have mechanics available to you, but that, that you can doesn't use to that. But that conflict. definition applies to the Stanley Parable yep. too, so that's yep. an issue, right? Um. Um. So, like, but like, just like instinctually, right? I can name games that I would more classify as these art experiences than right. I would games, right? Like, what remains of Edith Finch comes to mind. Even Journey comes to mind, even though Journey has a lot of game elements. Like, you're jumping, you're flying around, you're finding secrets, you're collecting things, but still. And maybe this is this might be something that we're getting at here. Maybe if the intention of the experience is more narrative than mechanical. But does that just not make it a genre? I, it could. And maybe that's the conclusion, maybe, that these are just a genre within games. Right. But but I think that is a difference that these, these experiences have, right? That... Mm-hmm. Like, What Remains of Edith Finch, the goal of it is to give you this narrative experience, not to like care that much about the mechanics, although the mechanics totally play into that narrative experience. Same with Journey, same with all of these games, right? Like, Journey without the narrative is nothing. It's not fun. It's not interesting, right? right. Whereas, you know, Halo, without the narrative, I think people would still find entertaining. Mm-hmm. Josh is in chat, and he makes the point that if the only interaction that you have in these games or in these experiences is to do it or not, does that really count as a game? Um, are choose-your-own-adventure novels then games? You right. Know? I, and I think to some degree I would say yes. Um, now, maybe with this new definition I just proposed where the intention is more narrative than mechanical, choose-your-own-adventure novels would definitely fall under the category of the intention being no, more narrative than mechanical for sure but they are a series of meaningful choices leading to a quantifiable outcome right mm-hmm. so that's hard now let me um let me circle back to what i said at the beginning of the podcast I yeah think let's talk about that kind of change this a little bit because when i was initially thinking about this topic i was thinking more of things that maybe didn't get any more complex mechanically than a deer ester Okay, like that was the most complex from an interactivity perspective that things would get in this category in my head, and then you would get to things things like an um, a, uh, an augmented reality art museum would also fall under these interactive experiences because you need to interact, you need to engage and interact and pass at least pass through sort of like a walking simulator. You need to like go through it to be able to experience it. Otherwise, like you don't experience it. Right. So, I mean, that's pretty limiting. Like, so you'd, you'd say that if you're doing anything, like, Dear Esther, the mechanics, right? Or you walk, and when you walk to specific areas, the story continues. And when you walk to the next area, the story continues, right? Right. Um, you don't think anything beyond that falls into this category, or you're not interested in considering anything beyond that in the game space. Well, I mean, I'm interested in considering it. I just don't... I, once you start having any. Anything that's – that's like an – in my opinion, it's not functionally much different than delivering a movie at which you could choose how fast you wanted to go through the movie, right, to a certain I don't know. extent. I feel like the fact that you are the – you the immersion, like there's no, a, there's see, a yeah, real sorry. amount of immersion in, in being the character and moving through an environment that is very different from a movie even the, if you had control over the pacing. 
the better word is maybe like the execution of your flow through the experience, not the experience itself. So yeah, I agree with you. Like you being the character. Also, um, I was thinking about it in my opinion. I used to do this. I don't do this anymore, but I used to just like go into Minecraft creative where you don't even have the need to survive. It's just Uh like you're in there and I would just experience it. I'd walk around and like it fucking snow. And I thought that was awesome. Right. And I'd, you know, um, there is a, or like building a tower out of blocks, even physically, right? Like, is that a game? Because that's sort of what you were doing, and that I don't know if I would call that a game. That's more of like one of these like art, like one of these kind of interactive experiences, right? Hmm. Right. So, so what is the difference between like building a tower of blocks or just walking around Minecraft and looking around and? you know, playing mine, like playing survival in Minecraft. Yeah. It's a little hard. I like, I want to say that building blocks, even in real life is a game. You have a, you could, you could make it a game if you wanted to, but I don't know if it has to be a game. Right. And that's even more complicated, right? Like depending on how you interpret these things, they could be a game for one person and not a game for another, you know? Yes. Yeah, so is the novelty and the definition come down to your perspective of, of like, the activity of the experience? Yeah, I think I think very likely yes, right? Like if I go to an art museum, right, and my goal being there is to you know like experience as much art as possible as fast as possible, and then be able to name every painting I saw, even though I went through it fast. Suddenly, that art museum experience is a game, even though technically I'm using the same exact control scheme that you were to just walk through and like appreciate the art, right? Right. Yep. Yep. Mm. yep. It's the day, day. We, where's Will when we need him? To, I mean, to... in my head, the the notion comes that when you just describe that. Like the thing that feels like it's differentiating the two is you're creating these goals and you're creating some amount of um, constraint to the goals by giving yourself like this notion of a time limit or like trying to do it as fast as you can. Um, it feels like the I don't know for me at least. For me, at least, I don't know if this is true. I'm thinking, like, if you had a walking sim with time-sensitive things, I don't know if you've ever played one like that. Like, you have I mean, to move. Stanley Parable has that. So, yeah, like, that may- would make it feel more like a game to me. Like, I have to. Like, there's a failure condition? Yeah, probably because of that, because there's a failure condition. Yeah, that's um, interesting. And I think things with failure conditions definitely move towards games rather quickly. But then, I mean, and we already said, like, 12 minutes has a, a million failure yeah, I, conditions. So, like, that one's yeah. really hard to justify there. But Ashley actually brings up an interesting point in the chat with scavenger hunts. Because that's another thing that, like, I could see easily based on your perspective not really being a game, just being, like, something you experience. But you're not really doing a game necessarily, right? Yeah, it just... It, kind of comes down to how you like you can just experience for the sake of experiencing a corn maze in a similar way right like you're just like right. experiencing it <laughs> right and you don't uh, really care about solving it necessarily and that's where it like comes down to like failure condition the absence of a failure condition um is is i guess i think another characteristic of what would differentiate between experiencing the maze and just and playing yeah, the maze. I think a failure condition may be like a quantifiable goal, which also sort of implies a failure condition, right? Yeah. Like if my goal, even in Dear Esther, right, is to get to the end as fast as possible, or maybe even get to the end, suddenly it becomes more gamey than if I'm just there to see what happens. I think, yeah, maybe the way of saying it then, because if you 
choose like we said it's it's impossible you can make anything a game i'm sure there's maybe right. some stretch of the imagination where somebody could figure out how to define a a story game as a movie or some fucking shit like depending right, totally on parameters, right? I mean, semantics are are very malleable but um i think that if the system is designed to enforce a failure condition that seems to be one thing that's definitely putting things in the games category yeah and ashley uh, josh says Josh in chat says you can also make anything a game by adding some sort of goal, and I agree. I think that's another characteristic that sort of pushes things towards the game category. These failure conditions, these goals. And Majin in chat also says maybe something that provides a challenge. What I think is also is is reasonable, but then like the building blocks example, it's a challenge to keep your tower up, but the second your goal is like building the tallest tower possible, you've made it into a game, right? So maybe that is a good a good one. But making it as yeah, goal goal is a thing. But I mean, your goal can be to go through the whole museum, and it doesn't make it a game. I think it's but like maybe the a challenging goal. Yeah, maybe, but like it's still I maybe, but um, uh, I feel like the combination of a goal with a failure condition is what ri- makes it the game. Because if you make if your goal is to build the biggest thing ta- as the biggest whatever you said tower of blocks possible. The failure condition is anything not the biggest tower of possible. Right. You know, no, absolutely. Possible. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, the the presence of a the presence of a system that's designed with a failure condition, in addition to goals, de- like definitely makes something a game in my head. I, I think so too, but I, I I feel like that that may be too limiting because I feel like we could come up with games that don't have failure conditions or don't need them. Do you would you say twelve minutes has macro failure conditions? Like, can you, or does it just is are they ma- micro in that they reset your existing little puzzle? I mean, they reset you to the beginning, but that's absolutely a failure condition because it spends your time, right? Uh-huh. Right. Like, what's more, the, what what is a failure condition if not just something that makes you do something again and wait, like spends time? If I would say, now I'm thinking Hades. Okay. In the event. Hades, you fail and you reset, but yep. you get new story information when you do. Yep. Right. Um, the fact that even though you on the micro reset on the macro, you still kind of move forward because you get more info on the story. Right. What What are you saying with that? Meaning that uh, twelve. I think the thing about twelve minutes that. I mean that's the same way in twelve minutes. You get more thing. about the story next time you go through. Well, no, but you can then apply the new things you learned previously to the next run through. Okay, if you've right, you have those new more things. more sure. knowledge, and then you can affect the events differently. I don't know from that from that perspective. I feel like that's a soft failure condition. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyway, then what? Like, what's a hard failure condition? Then, like, I, I'm not sure. I. Like you would move. I'm following. You would so like let's. It's kind of more like a maybe a, no, a game with a checkpoints where you would like instead you would progress all the way back to a previous thing without re- obtaining anything new on the on that but you, next okay. subsequent run. So here's what you're making me think of, and I don't think this was your intention, but this actually I think is is good. So what if a game is anything that has that is something that is like an interactive experience, but has a mastery path. 
A mastery right? path is an important part. Because of the that's game. sort of what we're talking about, right? Even in these hard failure conditions, with in thing, because there are games that absolutely have hard failure conditions, right? Like yeah. roguelikes, where you literally just start at the beginning with nothing. But there's still a game, and that's because every time you play, you get better at it. You know what I mean? So maybe a mastery path or just some way to get better at what you're doing is part of being a game. Because, I mean, there are things that are skills that are not games, but maybe that is another building block of what could define a game versus one of these interactive experiences. Because you definitely don't, like, have a mastery path, really, for, like, walking through an art museum. No, you don't. Um and in Theory of Fun, Raf Koster kind of comes to the conclusion, I think in that chapter, or ends it by saying that games are fundamentally teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Games, in his opinion, games are games teach you how to get better at something, and um, a good game does a good job of teaching you, i.e. I- a mastery path, like, right? So, and he and he subsequently will go on to talk about mastery path in the book and how important they are and whatever. I agree. I feel like this is sort of like adding to my definition of game. If you have a failure condition, it's it's like a characteristics, a challenging goal. But I think the challenging goal is kind of almost maybe a little synonymous with a mastery path, right? Like I, I agree. Well, and also sort of a failure condition is too, because it's right. hard to get better, need to get better at something if there's no way not to be you, perfect at it from the beginning. You right? need feedback on your shortcoming right like unless your goal with dear esther is finishing it as fast as possible you're not really able to improve at that game right 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 so and maybe that's what really that that seems like pretty solid in my mind that that is a big aspect that you need to be able to get better at it and have some quantifiable goal Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's just a skill right and then then it's not a game either you can't just have a mastery path you need to have some goal or like reason to be doing it and more and more specifically i think again um to protect against the myriad of ways people could perceive an experience and choose to perceive an experience i think it's more like when a system when the game as a system is designed to push a mastery path is when it, it's a game like the dear versus esther, that versus an interactive artistic experience versus like the, the example you had of dear esther it's like yeah a person could choose to make it a thing where they have to beat it as fast as possible but the game's not like it doesn't have any kind of systematic influence there. Like to, there's no timer or whatever the right. fuck. Well, right. And I think what remains of Edith Finch and even journeys uh, have definite aspects that fall into that category as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those, I would like those to be able to consider these, to be considered as these artistic experiences as well, since I think they are those, even do though you, they have gamey elements. Do you think journey doesn't have a mastery path? I think it does, but it doesn't matter. Hmm. Okay. So maybe bridges that right divide right there. Right. I think it, I think the fact that it has a mastery path can be fun and it adds to the fun of it, but the core experience and the intent of the experience is not that. Okay. Right? And and I think intent matters a lot like you're saying it has to be designed with the mastery path in mind as one of the core like core aspects of the game. Yeah, right. I like that. Now, now I'm thinking we, one thing we, we promised we'd come up with, and we're coming up on the end here, is we have to come up with a name. So Yeah, the, the, the question I pitched to you at work today that I pitched to a few people at work, too, was like, imagine that you're ahead of Pixar, okay? And you're told, the next thing we're working on 
is is one of the are one of these interactive experiences, not a movie. We're doing an interactive and, and not experience. a game, huh? <laughs> not a movie and not a game. We're it's not doing a movie. It's not a game. It's this interactive experience it has yes. no mastery path. You know, it's going to yeah. be an on rails walking simulator whatever right or Or even like a simulator where you're moving on rails and you can just look around freely like that could even be this right like song of iron but you didn't have to fight anybody (laughs) well yeah or like you're on like a roller coaster right but not an actual roller coaster you're like in a cart right just moving down a path and you can just look around right and experience what's going on and you have power over where you're looking yes pokemon snap but no picture taking (laughs) as josh says exactly so what do we call that what what, what they they tell you they tell you, you need to not only come up with a name, but you need to come up with a name that we can communicate to the public, right? That right. like rolls off the tongue good, that people will actually use when talking about this thing. And I thought of a lot of different things. I'm curious as to like what you, any that came to your mind when you're thinking of this? Well, so my heart goes immediately to like, we need to come up with some catchy acronym so that for the people who care... You can get the true meaning across by like decide by knowing what the acronym means. But for the people who don't, it's just something that sounds catchy. You I know what one. I mean? I have you have one, one? okay? Because I I, can, I haven't thought of one yet. But if you have one, I would love to hear it. Well, let me give you the worst answer first, since you <laughs> okay, went to acronym. Okay, since okay, you I, immediately went there. Um, so I was thinking that in these kinds of experiences, the experience sort of really just like echoes off of you. Okay. Like okay. you, perv- you, ve- you, the experience remains like basically itself with this like slight fluctuation of your interactivity in these particular examples. Uh-huh. And so for that reason, I was like, well, what if you called this kind of a thing an echo, right? Or an interactive echo, right? That's, that was one thing I said. And then, so what would that be? You, you don't say interactive echo. That's fucking way too long. Echo is fine. <laughs> but the problem with echo is that, that it, do- it doesn't have a explicit like tie to this is I, I think it's sort of kind of the same problem i see why you said this is the worst movies. one just for the record yeah, it's my least favorite of <laughs> of i mean i had way more but i I'm, I'm, sure. I'm putting it down to two so the one i i like the most and got the most positive feedback for work is ix interactive IX. experience ix and i okay but, but, but now X here's to make here's the, it sexy right so here's the problem with ix in a way and I think it's just generally with these notions of experiences. What's the verb associated with these? You don't play an IX. You don't You experience watch an, an IX, right? You experience Which an is, IX, but experience is too long. And it's in know? the word already, yeah. So I thought a lot about this. Some people at work, uh, shout out to Cooper. Uh, if he ever listens to this episode, I think he will. He said he was really interested. He he had a couple of ideas. He One funny one, he says... Well, if this is like a game but a movie, you could call it a groovy, and you could say you grooved it. <laughs> you groove it. He, he's going to be embarrassed. I even said that That's one. It was a, I like it. That's he amazing. said another one that was interesting that he said was you 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 could burn an IX because from his perspective, you could maybe say that after you experience an IX the first time, similar to a movie, you've like. You'll never have that same experience of the initial one again, and you could say you burned it. I don't think it's the right verb here, but it's I inter- thought it was it's interesting. It's an interesting perspective for sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about IX is that it's not pronounceable in a nice way. Like, I'm not going to say X. So, like... No, you would say would be, IX, right? Like right, right, IEX. Exactly. And that would be my oh, that's an interesting one from Josh that you could absorb, absorb it. But would you... So, if I'm at work and I'm like, that's I absorbed nice. an IX... This weekend. 
This is what this is the one I ended up with. I thought of others like would you could you say that you led an IX because you do kind of like drive it forward. Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. Um, could you say that you like somehow consumed an IX because you do? I like consume. I like consume a lot. Yeah, I think it, it hits. Uh, maybe it's just me. It hits kind of too foodie, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you I, the one I think I ended up with that I like the most was walk. I walk an IX. Because mm. while you do may like in especially if you're doing like an augmented reality museum, you literally maybe walk. <laughs> mm. In these other experiences, when the rails walking sort of um, still holds is something that you sort of kind of progress, you push forward, right? Yeah, you could say like you travel it. I traveled an IX. I mean, you right? could maybe, and it, maybe it would make sense um, if you were talking about a specific one that like kind of hit that right like there was no i just mean like you travel through it right similar to walk but like walk also wouldn't necessarily apply to all of them right walking it though like can be used like uh, i know there's a word here uh but my vocabulary fails me but like walk implies just the the um progressing it right like i walk the um of course, in a walking simulator, you literally walk it. But, like, I walk the script through is, like, something I say when I'm talking with somebody about, like, a script that I just need to, yes. like, you know, I, I walk the script. Um, it's not yeah. bad. But it's not bad. I'm not – I don't – if, I, think, I, if I, think, I had yeah. to go up tomorrow, of all of the things I thought, I would probably say I walk walking an IX. But it also seems like the verb especially – um, could use something participated modules I, I, in there. I'm 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 in on absorb. I think absorb's my favorite so far. Come to the you know come to the theaters and absorb an IX. It yeah. could be. I, I I honestly don't like I like IX. My only problem with it, and I don't have an, an alternative, is that it's not like pronouncing it isn't that fun. I, I wish that it was like an a little tough. I yeah, also plural is hard, but I wish that it was like an acronym that I could say, you know, like scuba or whatever. Right. That would be the best, but I don't, I don't know what that is, but maybe that'll be, maybe someone who listens to the podcast can send us one that they come up with. That's, that's like that because, uh, I think that would be cool. You know, some like three letter or four letter acronym that like has, you know, stands for something interactive experience, but then it's pronounceable. Yeah. I think the, the better thing to focus on is three syllables. I think is the main thing. It can be three letters, but two, three syllables max. I mean, um, you, you mean it good. when you pronounce the acronym? When you pronounce the acronym or the word, if somebody thinks of a word, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think three you syllables want to be sure. max. Um, All right, cool. Yeah, and it, interestingly, we also had a conversation around like, would acronyms even work? And we were talking about a lot of. And there's not a lot of acronyms in the public conscious conscious, but there are a few like radar. And laser are actually both acronyms. Well, I said scuba. That's why I said scuba, Is dog. scuba an acronym? Uh-huh. Let's see. Scuba. Interestingly, all three of them have nice vowel play. And yep. um, I, I do... Yeah. That's a that's a weakness of IX. You could, IXPO? IXPO sounds like a fucking... Oh, I like what Josh says. Immersive sensory experience. An ISE or an ICE. I like that. Yeah, I like that one too. Immersive sensory. I don't know if you pronounce it an ice or an eyes. I would say ice. ice. I think ice is cooler. It's, or it's, I, feels icy. That, that's gross. Don't say that ever I, again. You got want to come watch? So you say <laughs> you I walked watch in, an icy with me. 
I walked in ice. That's kind of that's kind of catchy. I mean, it it, it could it could to, I could totally see it catching. Uh, it, this is weird. I mean, what would yeah? I was thinking about like movies. Um, a short form of absorbed, absorbed in, ice. in ice. Ooh, I like that. Maybe yeah. That flows Consumed nice. Consumed in me. ice. Yeah. Um, I, that's a nice one. That's a nice. That's a nice suggestion, Josh. Yeah, I like. I like ice too. Um, you know what? When they when they did movies, you have film, which didn't land. It, like it's it it's uh, same problem as Echo. It doesn't only mean film. And then, um, you have motion picture, but that's too mm-hmm. long. So we do movie. You know, something mm-hmm. that moving photos movie. Yeah, and right. it, it and it enters the public consciousness again. I, I do think though. I don't know what you think. Maybe immersive sensory experience is all, the other reason why immersive sensory experience actually is cool josh is i'm thinking of like these um virtual reality um haptic feedback suits kind uh-huh. of experiences and i think they'd fall under a nice you know yeah i like those like those things you go to at the arcades that are like the big boxes that move around while you like ride the roller coaster or whatever and they're just there for you to experience that yeah. that's like sort of that's the same not thing. a game Right? That's not a game. But it is an immersive sensory experience. It is nice. nice. Love it. All right. We got a patron question. Let's get to it. Let's do it. What, what, we got a few to rattle off first, I think, because <laughs> we're required to by law. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you them quick. I don't even know if uh, we'll alternate answering them, okay? And okay. you don't have no explanation necessary. Only single word answer required, all right? Okay. Okay. All right. Question one. Where is it? What would win in a fight, a grilled cheese sandwich or a taco? I liked, um, actually, I got your potatoes answer here, where he said, taco if it's a street fight, but in a clean fight, grilled cheese. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I love it. All right. Question for me. Who would win in a fight, Goku or One Punch Man? I say One Punch Man. Yeah, um, it's it's, tech, it's not true. Goku would shit on him, but it's okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, your turn. This is a good one for you, and by good one, I mean everyone already knows what you're going to say. Who would win in a fight, Master Chief or Samus? To be fair, I don't know Samus's capabilities, and for that reason, I'm saying Master Chief. Okay, and then Toby <laughs> says, since you said Chief, you're sexist, so that's rough <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah, he already had it there um, already. Ninja Turtle versus Dora the Explorer for me. Um I, I think from a physical perspective, the Ninja Turtles win. But if it's like a mental battle, Dora definitely wins. Dora has that fucking She's much box. craftier. She's way craftier than Swiper, fucking Ninja dude. Turtles. Yeah. Ninja Turtles are so dumb. Like, I mean, Donatello is pretty good. But the other ones right. are always, you know, too much testosterone. Pizza. Uh, <laughs> Dora versus Kratos. Oh, okay. We're, that, we're not Dora versus Kratos. Yeah. It's same shit. Same shit. I mean, it's hard for it. I don't know. Dora's going to have her handful on that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. That's it. We. Oh, and the last one from Toby, just for you. Who would have the best OnlyFans, Kermit the Frog or Master Chief? Probably Kermit, <laughs> to be honest with you. like uh, He has he, like a niche that Master Chief can't fill. Yeah. <laughs> All They're right. both green turtles. And now our Toby, real question. He's really adding a lot to the Patreon. If you want to become a Patreon and talk with Toby, <laughs> please, someone needs please to. Please consider you need it. someone to talk to. our website. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So Evan's question for the day. Do you want to read it? Do you have it up? Did you have a game experience that you were disappointed with, especially with a game you were excited for? I'll let now, you start. Let's see. Well, I know you have some answers to this. Yeah. 
So why don't you start so I can think. Dora has an infinite space backpack with random shit and a pet monkey for muscle. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Josh, Josh is right. And, she, she and she's this. bilingual. Like, come on, man. Yeah, she um, has that communication superiority. Very important yeah. in a battle, uh, you know? Yes, Evan, you can live add an asterisk to your question. For those of you it, who are listening on audio... Halo? for those of you who are uh, listening on audio the people we have been interacting with all through this episode are people in chat we stream these episodes live every monday at 8 30 p.m eastern on twitch so if you want to come hang out and maybe get called out um you know where to be feel free to join all right let's get your answer evan just said he doesn't want us to shit on developers don't worry evan i would shit on developers if i wanted to and i don't usually so unless they really deserve there it. will be a day when on twitter people will shit on skylar for shitting on things please based yes and, and I, that will, will be happen. my favorite day I, ever <laughs> i have seen the game the game dev community will harp on him i also uh i am of the notion that with the the challenges we've faced on game developer i i I feel like i understand their struggles more and it's harder to criticize anyway back to the question yeah give us definitely halo 5 that's not even close by far i literally got like six people 10 plus years older than me to buy xboxes from how hyped i made them about halo 5 and uh, it, it, to say the hype was through the roof is an understatement. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I, like the Halo Five, and specifically the Halo Five story. I would just say that it, I, if a person, I like, if you played it, you'd be like, it's fine. You know, it's not the worst thing I've ever played by any means, but it's not great. But from the hype and the expectations and where the story was. It was like it was the worst thing ever at the time, you know. And, and it took me a like a solid year and a half to really get over it, if I'm honest. So yeah. that's mine. I guess the one I can the, I can only really think of one thing. I'm sure there are more, but the only one that's really coming to my mind is Bioshock Two. Oof. Um. Yeah, it's interesting because you always say Bioshock One's your favorite, I Infinite's don't, your favorite. Yeah. What I happened? don't get that hype for games. I don't have like this hype drive like Anthony does, which means that I'm much less often like I don't really get disappointed by games because I don't usually go in with very many expectations. But Bioshock 2, I went in with a lot of expectations because, you know, Bioshock 1 was like literally the game that got me into PC gaming. So and I, I don't know. It just never hooked me. This like, is why I played he doesn't it. get expectations. He was burned. He was I hurt. didn't even finish it. Like I don't I didn't oh, even really? play that Damn. much of it. I just Damn. like tuned out so fast. I just churned from that game. It just did not grab me. Like Bioshock One did, and Bioshock Infinite did too. Like grabbed me so hard there was no way I couldn't finish it. Bioshock two or Bioshock Infinite is one of the only games that probably maybe the only game that's over eight hours long that I've played twice. Hmm. I think the only game in existence. Right, so like I don't know, but Bioshock Two, I, I I never even finished. It just did not did not make me feel the same things. It did not hook me in the same way, narratively or mechanically. Hmm. So there you go. Um, yeah. And now, hopefully, we'll next time we do our favorite games podcast, you and I can both have a game with infinite in the title as our hey! favorite game. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm really pulling for three, four, three, closing out infinite. Yeah, we'll we'll see. There's been some Halo community getting mad about no co-op campaign, which I mean is understandable given the history this series has. Yeah. But we were talking about it. We should do actually. Will said that he'd like to come on sometime. Will the person we've been talking yes. about this whole time? Three four three. Current current three four three animator. 
Um, lead animator. I hopefully I didn't like diminish his title there. He uh, lead director of all animation, <laughs> god of animation in at the AAA industry. <laughs> and um, anyway, he said he'd be uh, he he'd love to come on after Infinite releases. Yeah, he's got it's a stressful time right now for that him. That would be amazing. Undoubtedly, that would be really cool to talk about. If anyway, people want to hear that podcast, where can they find us? If you want to find us, you can go to KOKoalaEntertainment.com. There you have links to all of our social media. Most importantly, our Discord, where if you join, you can play the Agora Research Idol game. It's an idol game that as you level up, you um, enter into giveaways. You unlock lore secrets for our upcoming game for PC and Xbox called Agora. Single player Agora. physics FPS. Um, you can also, that is the best place to get news about Agora as we progress towards launch and, uh, talk to us devs. In addition, you can get links to all our social media there, Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. We do giveaways all the time on Instagram and discord. So at least bare minimum jump into those. We have our Patreon links for those of you who would so choose to support us. Um, it was, I want to say it's like 18% of all indie studios who released a game on Steam in 2018 survived their first game launch. <laughs> the numbers are against us. Uh, so alternate revenue streams help out a lot. If anything, um, for the Patreon, you the patrons are making a huge dent in our monthly costs. We yeah. recently crossed our $100 a month goal, which really helps like to just cover, you know, random you know all the services and software tools that we use um to do ko koala every month um so it's it's super helpful if you'd like to help support us you get a fuck ton of perks you get free stickers free merch depending on like these are depending on your tier access to the realm um all kinds of good stuff so join in you get behind the scenes content that's uh it's already they've gotten a little bit and that is going to continue picking up as we get closer to launch thank you again to all our patrons for those who all would consider supporting us to get ready not next week but the week after we have a big guest coming big on yes huge big deal her name is celia hodent i think i said Ooh. that right <laughs> celia hodent anthony has fucked this up master so at mispronouncing people's names so like i and i haven't heard her pronounce her name yet so i need to i'll do that to make sure that we have the right pronunciation Celia hodent used to be the director of ux at epic games on a little game that no one has ever heard of called Fortnite, right and, but li literally the director no. of the user experience on Fortnite. like i don't uh, think i don't know if you understand what that means but prior to that she <laughs> she held leadership positions in the ux department for games like rainbow six and assassin's creed at ubisoft along with other titles it is going to be insanely interesting ux yeah. is just fascinating from a human psychology and all that kind of stuff perspective um, and she said she's really interested in discussing UX, so we'll probably have a cool discussion about it. We may even talk about some of the UX things we've done for our game, which we haven't talked about in detail publicly almost ever, and we'll probably talk about some of it there. So, Yep, she's actually planning on asking us some questions. So if you want right. to watch us get embarrassed <laughs> <Yeah>. live, <laughs> be here on the 13th, Monday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's going to be a good one. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Oh, and I'm sorry. Last one, last uh, one, last one. Consider kidding. supporting Joe. Our, get Song uh, of Iron tomorrow. Get Song of Iron tomorrow. Joe, who came on the podcast la yes, last week, Song of Iron's going live tomorrow. Reviews are actually looking pretty good so far. Sweet. And um, Solo Dev worked on it by himself. 
help support Joe, Song of Iron, Steam, and Xbox. We'll see you. Bye-bye.